Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. So seven weeks ago, um, we began our current series, and I'm wondering by um, show of hands, how many of you have not missed one week? How many of you have perfect attendance in the primal series? Can I see your hand? You brown nosers, you are... No, seriously, let's give them a hand because that's a, that's a big deal, man, to be here eight weeks in a row. Um, this series that, we, uh, that we've been in primal, we, uh, we've been talking about come, adding at this with kind of an overarching premise and idea and kind of some desired outcomes. Um, but uh, for those that are just joining us here this morning or maybe your first time or you're newer to uh, Grace Crossing Church... Uh, we want to make sure that before we jump into this morning's topic that we give you the view from 35,000 feet so that as we go through this talk uh, briefly today and as we land the plane of this series, you'll kind of get the big picture that we're going after. So the word primal just uh, literally means uh, of first importance or first of its kind and uh, really it's that which is most ancient and most primitive. And so really that's what this series has really been about. We've been kind of peeling back the layers of 20 centuries of Christianity, of religion, of tradition, and we've been trying to get really kind of to the core essence of what it was Jesus had in mind when he planted his church, because he really was the first pioneer. He really was the first church planter. And so as we've been looking at this idea of what Jesus had in mind, uh, we've been building this entire series around one verse, two verses actually, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. If you go back to the most ancient word Christian, the most primal sense, the word literally means one who looks like and one who acts like Jesus. In other words, one who acts like the one he claims or she claims allegiance to. And so we're talking here about how we can change our view of what it means to be a Christian to line up with that idea of being in line with what Jesus had in mind when he called his church. It means that it begins with the way we think about Christianity. Now, the human brain is such a complex organ, but the human brain is really divided into what's called the cerebral cortex, the largest part of our brain, divided into two regions, the neocortex and the paleocortex. The neocortex is responsible for our highest functions like our thought and our reason, our language. But it's the paleocortex that is actually responsible for the more primal and instinctive behaviors of our life. These are the things we do out of the paleocortex, the things that we do, as it were, without even thinking. Things we do by second nature. So in this series, what if? What if we loved God a lot less from the neocortex and a lot more from the paleocortex? What if loving others was more primal and instinctive and less programmed and scripted? What if living the Christian life was second nature? 
What if doing this thing we call faith and worship was force of habit? What if exercising your faith was as normal and natural as getting dressed in the morning, riding your bike, driving your car? This morning as we come to this final piece of the series Primal, we come to three verses that Paul concludes with in Romans chapter 12. Here they are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let me just give you right at the front end here today's big idea. Today's big idea is this. When you are tempted to be reactive, be proactive instead. When you are tempted to be reactive, be proactive instead. Here's the deal. Repaying evil for evil is natural. It's instinctive. Giving people back what you think they deserve, evening the score, uh, settling the matter in your own strength, I mean, that's human stuff. But overcoming evil with good, that's supernatural stuff. That's stuff that takes God's help and stuff that comes by God's Spirit living in you and through you and actually finding His way in your paleocortex. Now, when I was in Bible college, I had a job that was my worst nightmare. It's actually still today the worst job that I ever had. I worked for a paint crew and a paint company. And uh, every day that I showed up on the job with all of the younger staff, those that were in charge of the site, the foreman, the boss would show up from time to time. And their mission in life was just to make our life as miserable as they could. In other words, it must have been kind of an initiation of sorts, but we would show up on the job, and it wasn't uncommon for me to show up. And those that were in charge, those foremen were up on top of a roof with buckets of paint, and they would pour them on our heads as we walked through that particular job. I remember one day leaving the work site and getting shot at with nail guns as I was leaving. Listen, this is demented stuff, right? This is, this is demented stuff. And everything in the fiber of my being wanted to settle the score. Everything inside of me wanted to get even, and I certainly could have tried. But I did the most spiritual thing that I could think of. I quit. (laughs) And I didn't even give him a two-week notice. That's how spiritual I was. I actually walked into my boss at the end of a day, and I said, I won't be back tomorrow, and I won't be back the next day, and I'm not coming back the next day. I'm done with this job. Now, I look back on that, and here's the reality. It wasn't the most spiritually-minded thing. I did it because I was a nervous wreck every time I went to the job site. Reality is it's human for us to want to return evil for evil. When somebody mistreats you, what's your temptation? Mistreat them back. When you experience the vile and the hatred of somebody else, what's your natural inclination? To just hate them back. If somebody lies to you, it's easy to get even by lying back. And boy, if you are here and in your marriage you were cheated on, it's easy to want to get even, settle the score by somehow saying, if it's good enough for you, it's good enough for me. Listen, here's the reality. 
It is easy and it's natural for us to return evil for evil, but in this scripture, what we're called to do as primal Christians is we're called to go above and beyond the call of duty. We're called actually not just to be known for what we don't do, that we don't return evil for evil, but notice the last statement. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now that word overcome is a beautiful word in the Greek language. Because the word in the Greek language uh, has to do with a military conquest, it has to do with an athletic competition. It's even used in the context of political campaigns. It is one when one person actually conquers and defeats another. And what the Bible is teaching us here is this, that in life there can only be one conqueror and one who is conquered. Either evil is going to win or good is going to win. The choice is all up to how we respond and how we react. And what the Bible here is urging us to do, it's appealing to us to do as followers of Jesus Christ in our response to loving God is that we not be reactive, but rather we be proactive. That we don't just say, I'm not going to be overcome by evil, but rather I'm going to overcome evil with good. Now Jesus in his very first recorded sermon he ever gave, In Matthew chapter 5, he speaks to this very issue. Look at what it says, Matthew 5, 38 through 41. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's how people were living out their life, even religious people. And he says, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek Also, if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat also. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. What Jesus is saying is this. You can actually overcome evil. You can actually be the victor if you respond with the right attitude. If you don't let them get the best of you, but rather if you go the extra mile, if you carry the stuff a little bit further, if you turn the other cheek, if you give your coat also, you are actually setting yourself up to be the winner. Now this idea of overcoming evil with good is beautifully illustrated in the person of Jesus Christ. And there are two stories and illustrations I want to share with you this morning that are ripped right from the pages of the New Testament that illustrate what we're talking about this morning, overcoming evil with good. The first is a story that Jesus actually tells that is called the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, when you hear that this morning, that doesn't sound odd to us. But to a first century Jewish audience that would have been hearing that, that would have actually been an oxymoron. Because of long-standing religious and racial tension, there was actually no love lost between the Jews and the Pharisees. In fact, to use those words, Samaritan and good in the same sentence, was actually an unbelievable thing. It would not have been done. It was so counter to what they believed. 
Jesus' teaching about the good Samaritan would be like me telling you a story today as an illustration and calling it the parable of the good terrorist. That's really how ludicrous and ridiculous it would have sounded. And here was the parable. A Jewish man is going down the road to Jericho, and on his way, he is beaten and robbed and left half dead. A Samaritan comes across this dead, bleeding man, and law said that he had to go across on the other side of the road, but he doesn't. He goes to where this man is, and the Bible says he takes this Jewish guy, sets up an emergency triage, and then he takes him, picks him up, carries him into town where he can get the necessary medical treatment. But he doesn't just do that. He goes above and beyond. Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 10. The next day, the Samaritan brought two coins, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of this man. If you spend more money on him, I will pay back to you when I come. Don't miss that. If you pay any more than these two coins, charge it to my account. The second illustration comes from an obscure letter that we find in the New Testament called the book of Philemon. The story and the backstory of that particular short letter is that there was a slave by the name of Onesimus that ran away from his slave owner. He went AWOL. And according to law, he could have died. It was punishable by, by death. There was only one hope that he had. And that was to find someone who could intervene on his behalf to his owner. He must have, hear, must have heard somewhere about Paul who was actually in house arrest but was able to receive visitors, and he, he finds Paul, and Onesimus comes to him, appeals to him, but Paul, in a really exciting turn of events, leads him to faith in Christ. He crosses the line of faith, and then Paul does the unthinkable. Paul writes a letter that he said, I want you to take to your owner. And here's the deal. I want you to carry the letter, and I want you to place it in his hand. And when Onesimus comes to Philemon and he hands him this letter, here was one of the things in the letter. If he has wronged you in any way or he owes you anything, charge it to me. I will repay it. Now what these illustrations give us are two of the most primal elements of Christianity that are found in the Scripture. And here are the two most primal elements, mercy and grace. You see, these guys didn't just say, don't punish them for what they've done, but they actually said, charge it to my account, whatever they owe you, I've got it covered. That's mercy and grace. Listen, friends, Jesus did not just keep us from the punishment we deserve, that's mercy, but Jesus actually gave us so much more in return, forgiveness, things that we didn't deserve, that's grace. And because Jesus gave us forgiveness because of grace and mercy, guess what he expects of us? He expects us to turn around and do likewise, to offer to others in a primal, instinctive way the very same mercy and the very same grace that we ourselves have received. So Paul goes on to say this in Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Be careful 
As a result of this, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. The big idea today is when you are tempted to be reactive, be proactive instead. Let me rephrase it a little differently. When you are tempted to be reflexive, be rather reflective. In other words, think about the cost. And I go to the doctor and he hits me with that little hammer on my knee and my knee simply responds, I can tell my knee all I want. I can tell that reflex not to do it, but reality is it's going to naturally do it. What we need to do is we need not be people who are being reflexive. We need to be reflective. We need to think about what is right. This word right actually in the original language is the word beautiful. And here's really what we're being encouraged to do. As far as it concerns us, do the thing that is beautiful in the sight of everybody who's watching. Because don't look now, you're being watched. The way that you live out your faith, the way that you respond, the faith that you claim to have and I claim to have, people are looking at us saying, how true, how genuine is it? And finally, Paul says this in verse 18. If it's possible, and there are times that it's not possible, but if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. A number of years ago, the Moody Bible Institute conducted a research, and that research was to discover how many years of peace there have been in the world over all the recorded history. Did you know that over all the recorded history, there's only been 8% of the time that the world has enjoyed peace? Over 3,500 years of recorded history, less than 300 years have actually seen peace in our world. And during that time, those 3,500 years, there have been some 15,000 known wars that have been fought and over 4 billion casualties, people that have lost their life because of it. During that same time span, 8,000 treaties, peace treaties, had been signed, had been created, and broken. Here's the reality. Peace in the natural is hard to find, isn't it? But as followers of Jesus, peace is our brand mark. It's actually what distinguishes us as followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus said it back in Matthew chapter 5 when he said this, blessed are the peacemakers, for notice, they will be called children of God. If you want to be called a son of God, if you want to be called a daughter of God, there's really only one way that we can do it, and that is be known as peacemakers. People who actually fight at all costs, and sometimes there has to be war to find peace. Don't get me wrong. But at the heart of trying to find peace and discover peace, we've got to be willing to go there because God cares that we are known as peacemakers. That's really the appeal of these verses. Do not be overcome with evil, but rather overcome evil with good. As far as it depends on us, live at peace with everyone. As we wind this series down and we bring it to a close, I have one final verse I want to share with you today that is actually my prayer for our church family. This verse captures the essence of what this entire primal series has been about. 
Here it is, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Let me rephrase this. Dear brothers and sisters, I close this primal series with these last words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. Then the love of God and the peace of God will be with you all. Sounds like the Jesus movement all over again, doesn't it? Reality is this. This is really what Jesus desires for all of us. And how do we get there? How do we get God's love? How, do we, how is God's peace with us? Joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and live in peace. And that is my prayer for us as we strive to be more primal in the way we live out our faith here at Grace Crossing Church. Let me pray with you. If you're here in our auditorium this morning, Perhaps you've never crossed the line of faith. I would invite you this morning as I pray to do that. You'll make no greater decision than by crossing the line of faith and saying, God, I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. You don't have to get it all. It doesn't have to all make sense. All God wants to do is respond to your heart today. And if your heart is, Lord, I want a relationship with you, God, God will show you that. God will lead you to that. It begins with asking for forgiveness. It begins by extending by taking the extension of God's mercy and grace into your heart. And I ask you this morning, if you've not done that, as I pray, invite God through Jesus to come into your life, to change you. Lord, this morning, I pray for this church family. I thank you for this chance for us to go deeper into what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be one of the same kind as Christ. That's what it means. And God, you model all of this for us in the Scripture. We read it, we hear it, but we struggle to live it. We struggle, I think, because we try to figure it out and we try to do it through some sort of mental ascent and intellectual knowledge. But reality is, God, this is already in us because you've placed eternity in our hearts. It's already there. You're asking us just to live out of what you've put inside of us. And if we'll live up to our potential and who you've created us to be, God, we'll be followers that will honor you, We'll please you. We'll bring glory to you because life won't be about us. It'll be about you. So God, help us, I pray. I pray for that one this morning or two or three or a dozen or a hundred that are crossing the line of faith in this auditorium. God, would you come into their life? Would you change them? And would you change their future? I thank you, Lord, for it. And I pray that we will live out what we've talked about in this series, Primal, in these coming days. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.